Again, those are hypotheticals. Those are some hypotheticals. I don't think we're going to go down those roads right now. Again, no um, hypotheticals. Yeah, I'm not going to get into individual contracts. Uh, again, those, those aren't things that I would speak about here. Yeah, again, another hypothetical. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. I've been pulling double duty here in lacrosse. I've been filling in on the morning show yesterday and today. So I've been doing 6 to 9 a.m. And then I've been coming back in and doing my show 4 to 6 p.m. So that's five hours a day for the last two days. Do five more hours tomorrow. And what I've realized so far this week, uh, there's not much going on. Bucks aren't playing. The NBA's at a standstill, which is going to make tomorrow's NBA lounge really interesting. If anyone has any ideas, hit me up. Get texted to me. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what we want to do for the NBA Lounge tomorrow. No games this week. We're riding out the tail end of the All-Star break. I do not want to talk about baseball negotiations. We did that during the pandemic when nothing was going on. Everything was shut down. I'm not doing that again. So baseball, great for you or sorry that happened. I don't care. I'm not reading all of these long pieces about Super 2s and arbitration. I don't care. Tell me when the games are on and I'll watch. We're not doing that. Badgers basketball's back tonight so i guess we'll have that but but other than than that we've been doing doing aaron Rodgers. damn it it's all we have to talk about and i like normally i don't like to dwell on the packers and aaron Rodgers. i think i'm, I'm pretty I, like I'm, I'm very careful to not do too much packers and aaron Rodgers. but i think i might be getting too much packers and aaron Rodgers. it's like radiation poisoning it's wearing me down slowly can't feel it in the moment but at the end of a long day i'm like man my joints kind of hurt Pretty sure I taste metal. Yeah. So all the Aaron Rodgers talk. Five hours a day for the last two days. We'll do it again tomorrow. Okay. All right, here we go. More Aaron Rodgers. Let's, let's do it. It's the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. We're not going to do all Aaron Rodgers tonight. It's going to be a lot of Packers, but I, I'd like to think I've prepared a nice mix of topics, a couple different courses of uh, tonight's meal. It is Slow News Wednesday. We brought that back last week, uh, and I did not forget. We're going to do that tonight. We're going to look at an article published by Kevin Cole this week in Pro Football Focus, and it's about Aaron Rodgers and risk-taking, right? When does he take risk? When does he play conservative? Is he throwing deep? Is he throwing over the middle? Is he throwing behind the line of scrimmage? So what Kevin Cole did was do this long study of when the Packers have a low win probability, so 0 to 25% chance to win a game, how does Aaron Rodgers make decisions? When they have a 25 to 50% chance to win, what kind of decisions is Aaron Rodgers making and so on and so forth. So we're looking at all these different types of games where the Packers are winning big, when they're losing big, when they're losing by a little, winning by a little. What does Aaron Rodgers look like in all of those different contexts? It's really interesting. And I'm going to share with you some of his findings coming up at 4.30. We're going to do that for Slow News Wednesday. Eric Eager, great friend of show uh, and a UWL man, was a professor at UWL for a while now, resides at Pro Football Focus. He's on the forecast pod. He's excellent and he had always... Really gracious with his time to talk Packers and Aaron Rodgers and whatever else I throw at him. He'll join us at 5.30. We're also going to hear from Brian Gutekunst today, another UWL man. So let's just let's just make today not only a slow news Wednesday, but let's make it a WEAC Wednesday as well. Because we're going to hear from Goody. We're going to talk to Eric Eager. I got my UWL polo on today, interestingly enough. So we're, we're going all in on the WEAC. Uh, that'll make me feel better about doing a lot of Packers and Aaron Rodgers today. We just got to put a, a new spin on it. We're going to talk about all those different things. I want to start with some news that broke this morning. I want to start with this Kenny Clark restructure. So that's where we're going to begin tonight. You can join the show if you'd like. 
608-796-2558. You can tweet me, follow me, interact with the show. At Wisco Grant is where you can find me. I am currently in a long thread where I'm going back and forth quoting The Other Guys, one of the best movies ever made, 2010. Uh, an excellent, excellent movie. So I tweeted earlier today before we get into Kenny Clark. I tweeted earlier today. Uh, I turned off my Dave Matthews playlist to listen to the Brian Gutekind's presser, so it better not suck. GM pressers always stink because they never say anything interesting. But I did so because of the UWL code. You know, there's a code. I, I got I to gotta listen to my guy, and that prompted, uh, you know, this, this scene from the other guys. I, I clipped this and tweeted it as well, at Wisco Grant. It's the code. I'm your partner. I'm here to support a friend and a work colleague. The audio sounds kind of bummy. Does that sound bummy to anyone else? Something's up with the computer today. Luckily, we won't need it, other than to quote the other guys. Anyways, you can find all of that mess on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. I'd like to say this before we get in, before we get into this Kenny Clark conversation. They restructured him this morning. I thought we've killed it this week. Keeping our cool, staying relaxed, not getting upset about Aaron Rodgers. Like, Rodgers got us yesterday. We can admit it. He got us. We were sure that we were going to get something on McAfee. It all lined up. The timing worked, the Instagram post, all the evidence was there, and he gave us nothing. Doesn't make sense, does it? Yeah, it sucks. He got us. We got God. But we were mellow yesterday. We had a great time. We talked about cleansing, throwing up, and I think we talked about haunted bars yesterday, too. We, we were very level-headed. This morning, while hosting the morning show, I got upset. I, I got angry. Because this news broke at 8.03 a.m. Central Standard Time. From Ian Rappaport. Uh, Nay, this is from Field Yates. I'm sorry. Tweeted this. The Packers have created $10.8 million in 2022 cap space by restructuring the contract of nose tackle Kenny Clark per source. Green Bay converted $13.6 million of Kenny Clark's 2022 compensation into a signing bonus and added two void years to his deal, shipping away to create some cap space. Okay, so that was this morning, 8.03 a.m. But Grant, why would, why would this make you mad? Why would this upset you? This has nothing to do with Rodgers. This has everything to do with Rodgers. Rodgers should be taking a pay cut. Not Kenny Clark. Kenny Clark had a great season. Right? He's been a solid player. Really important to the defensive line. And the success especially stopping the run, but also as a pass rusher. He's just a playmaking nose tackle that can do all these different things. Why, why, is, why, why is Kenny having to get his money messed with? Moved into the future and moved around. Now he's going to get his money anyways. He's not having money taken away from him. But this shouldn't be Kenny Clark's issue. I understand his contract is positioned well for a restructure. I, I, I get it's not personal. This isn't Kenny Clark's problem. This restructure this morning and then the admission of Brian Gutekunst in his GM presser today that this was only the first of probably many contracts that they're going to do this with became clear to me that they're going to do this. They're going to cook the next four years or so of their salary cap and all of their salaries and their contracts just to make room for Rodgers. So Rodgers can come in under the salary cap, maybe Devontae Adams with him, who knows. This restructure of Kenny Clark's deal saves the Packers $11 million in cap space, and it actually gets them about 20% closer to their goal, hacked off a big chunk of their salary cap that they're over, so they're getting closer, 20%. That's, that's, a, big, that's a big move. That's not insignificant in the grand scheme of things. Kenny Clark's cap hit is going to be $24 million now in 2023 and $25 million in 2024. That's quarterback money. That's a lot of money. And sure, it helps you this year, gets you under the cap this year, and that takes precedent. 
But who's next now? Are we going to do this with Amos? So are we going to be paying a safety $20 million a year in two years? What about David Bakhtiari? Are we really going to add void years onto David Bakhtiari's deal? He hasn't played in two years. It just worries me a little bit. And it does give them the best chance to win next year. Yeah, but they've also had a really good chance to win for the last 11 years, and it hasn't worked out. I don't want to be doomsday cap guy because Twitter, I think Twitter employs people to be doomsday cap guys and and accountants who do salary cap sheets in their spare time because they enjoy it. I I don't know. We, We talked yesterday. Everyone has their own thing. Aaron Rodgers has his cleanse. I told you a hiking story from the other day. We all have our things. I, I even get the cleanse. I don't get the cap fetish. Like, well, yeah, I'm a CPA for my day job, but when I get home, I really like to pour over NFL CBA details so I can break down the salary cap. That's what really gets me off. That and helping out my friends, to quote another Will, Fer- Will Ferrell movie. I don't want to be the doomsday cap guy, but this is messy business, folks. We're talking about giving quarterback money to Kenny Clark in 2023 and 2024. And you might say, well, then they'll just restructure again. Oh, so they're going to restructure Kenny Clark for a third contract? They're belly aching and moaning about giving Devontae Adams a third contract. And Devontae Adams is on a Hall of Fame track as a wide receiver. It's messy business. Dealing with the devil a little bit here. It's like racking up credit card bills. Like, yeah, it's nice in the moment. Some nice, cool things for your house, new entertainment center, new TV. It's on sale, whatever. Sure, buy it. But you're going to have a big, fat credit card bill at the end of the month. And if you can't pay that, you get another credit card. And now all of a sudden, it's 2025, and we're $300,000 in debt. And now we're listening to Dave Ramsey to just try to figure out our lives. Like, I I, I don't want to be in that spot as a Packers fan. If you win a Super Bowl next year, I guess it's fine. But they didn't win a Super Bowl this year. They're already pushing money out. They didn't, even, they didn't even come close this year. They lost to Jimmy G. And a Niners defense that wasn't nearly as good as the defense was two years ago. Running game was mostly stifled in that game. You got a punt blocked. You got a kick blocked. And Rodgers played like dump. It's like we... I just don't know if this is going to be different next year. Even if Goody fits everyone under the salary cap and then nails a couple of other signings like Devondre Campbell and Rasul Douglas and makes another great trade like he did for Corey Bohorquez. Why are we going to get a different result next year? Maybe the Niners won't be as good. So so who's going to beat us? The Falcons? The Falcons will probably beat us. Arthur Smith's going to come out of nowhere. and they'll probably Kyle Pitts is bound to go for 200 against the Packers at some point in his career. Come on now. You and I both know that that's happening. Aaron Rodgers could always take a pay cut. I don't know, media never asks him about it. So I guess I've never heard his thoughts on it. I don't know about the team. I don't know if Gudikins has come to him and said, hey, Aaron, you know, what do we what do we think about a pay cut, buddy? Making a lot of money. Been in the league a long time. You got a nice nest egg built up. What do you what do you say? In my opinion, Aaron Rodgers should want to take a pay cut. He should be dying to take a pay cut. Aaron Rodgers should be coming to the Packers and saying, Hey, I, I want to take a pay cut. I want to do this. I want to be the one to give up some of my salary to make it easier on you guys. He should want to. He's got four MVPs. He got Randall Cobb back. He's got Tom Clements back. He even modernized the way that the Packers do business. You know that in his head he believes that to be true. You know that he's walking around right now thinking about his fourth MVP, and he's thinking, I was the guy that brought the Packers out of the dark ages. Now they communicate with players, and they do this and that. Like he talked about this on McAfee yesterday. That's where I was going to play a soundbite, uh, but it appears that it has frozen. So I'm going to restart that uh, program really quickly. You Give me a sec. We're going to act like that didn't happen. Hold on. He's got four MVPs. He's got Randall Cobb back. He even modernized the way the Packers do business. You know in his head he believes that. He's walking around thinking, I just won my fourth MVP, and I, 
I brought the Packers out of the Dark Ages. He even brought it up on the McAfee show yesterday. There was a lot of a lot of communication, some you know technical stuff, some kind of habitual things that I don't think you know that I thought we could do better. And to their credit, there was I saw a lot of growth. At the same time, it wasn't a one-way street. I knew that I had to grow as well. I needed to, I had to be more comfortable, you know, with those conversations with. Uh, uh, being responsive to them uh, in a super timely manner, trying to find kindness in, in the, you know, adverse moments or difficult conversations that we had. Mm. And I feel like we all grew and, and had to, you know, had a good year of, uh, of communication, had a nice, nice, nice conversations after the season. And, and I felt, uh, felt really good about how that, uh, that got tied up before I left town. Good. Well, I'm glad the Packers are now nicer to everyone doesn't help that you lost to Jimmy Garoppolo, but I'm, I'm glad. Well, look, we modernized the Packers, everyone. Bring our boys home. Mission accomplished. I, like, I'm not trying to be negative about this, but what hasn't Rodgers done? He's got all the MVPs. He has now ascended to a point of power where he can force his team to bring back Randall Cobb, giving up draft capital and absorbing an ass load of money that probably could have maybe prevented them from getting somebody else last year, like OBJ. I don't know. Maybe. I think he always wanted to go to L.A., but who knows? Maybe the Packers offer him the rest of the money available. Maybe he comes. I don't don't know. I don't know. We never will know because he had to have Randall Cobb. Why? Not to throw him the ball. That's not why he brought him back. He didn't look his way in that playoff game. Got the MVPs. He's got the power. He even turned the Packers into a people-first organization. You know he's bragging about that when he goes out to dinner with his friends. Yeah, I, uh, I had a lot of accomplishments on the field this year, but I, I think, I think my biggest accomplishment was helping little old Dinky Green Bay uh, bring their bring their communication up to snuff. I'd like to think they really value people now. Meanwhile, in the office, Brian Gutekinds is going, "Oh my God, will this guy ever just leave me alone and win some football games?" Oh my God, Rogers has accomplished everything except except winning a big playoff game, at least for years and years and years. I, I understand he has a Super Bowl, and that can never be taken away from you. It'll be the same with Giannis. If Giannis never wins another NBA Finals, he will always have the one he won in Milwaukee. And that's important. I don't want to minimize one championship. But Rodgers has accomplished everything except for that. He even turned into Favre in less than a calendar year. That's amazing. That's a character arc that I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen before. He's done everything except one in the biggest games. And there's always something, the defense or the special teams or the bad luck or the coaching, whatever. You know what? A better roster with a few extra good players, the margin for error gets larger. Look at the Rams. Matthew Stafford made lots of mistakes. Sean McVay makes lots of game management mistakes. You know what? They're good enough to overcome them because they always had that extra guy this year. They traded for this guy or they brought an OBJ or they paid for this guy. That's what a little extra money will do. I want Rodgers to want to take a pay cut. I think of my one of my favorite shows, Everybody Loves Raymond. And Deborah would always chew out Ray because Ray would never want to do anything around the house. And then when he would offer begrudgingly, he'd be like, oh, what do you want me to do? You want me to just tell me what you want me to do? And Deborah's like, no, I want you to want to help. I don't want to have to tell you to help. I want Aaron Rodgers to want to take a pay cut. Why wouldn't he? He's got everything else. What is he, easy to take credit for the title town expansion too? I'm talking about on-field stuff. I'm talking about playoff stuff, big game stuff, Super Bowl stuff. It's the one thing that's eluded him for the last 10 years. Why isn't he begging Green Bay to restructure his salary and take a pay cut? I don't know. I don't know. Let's hear from Brian Gudikins coming up next.
He wasn't asked directly about an Aaron Rodgers pay cut because why would anyone ever ask about that? I'm the only one who thinks about this, apparently. He talked a lot about of other different things as well. We'll get to that coming up next. Slow News Wednesday at 4.30. Really cool piece from Kevin Cole, PFF, about Aaron Rodgers and his decision-making in all sorts of different settings. And I want to break that down for you coming up as well. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. And I'm having an excellent day. Hope you are as well. Eric Eager is going to join us in about an hour. One of my favorite guests. I always learn something. I think we all get smarter when we talk to Eric. Pro Football Focus. He's on the Forecast Pod. And former great professor at UWL. I never had him. I know people who did. I never took math. I'm a, this is not my slice of pie, math. Uh, so Eric and I are not one and the same in that way. Which is why I like talking to him. I always learn something. We'll talk with Eric here in about an hour and 10 minutes. Slow News Wednesday, piece from Kevin Cole on Aaron Rodgers' decision-making. We're going to do that here in about 10. I thought for the next couple minutes, maybe we could hear a little bit from Brian Gutekinds. I didn't want to watch the Goop Presser today. I was, as I said, knee-deep in my Dave Matthews playlist that I'm very protective of. I've been cultivating this playlist for a while. Pop-a-lot Chris in Eau Claire tweets in and says, You had me at Dave Matthews' band. He is a veteran of 27 Dave Matthews Band shows. See, I, I'm jealous of folks like Papalock, Chris, because when I am 30, 40, 50, I want to be able to say, I've seen this person 30 times. I've seen this person 40 times. I have a buddy whose boss has been to over 200 Grateful Dead shows. That would be really cool to say. Like, I, I need to grow with an artist who's, like, somewhat my age. And just be able to just stack up shows over the year. I'm very jealous of you. Thanks for the tweet. At Wisco Grant. That's Papalock Chris. So I was listening to my Dave Matthews Band playlist today. Or as fans call him, as Chris must be, we just call him Dave. I wanted to just keep listening to music. I didn't watch the Goody Press today. I didn't want to watch it. Um, However, UWL code uh, means that I must watch. I must support him as a fellow UWL Eagle. So I watched. I sat and listened. I saved some different answers. Uh, well, first, before I really got down to brass tacks, I spent about 25 minutes uh, cutting these sound bites out. Yeah, I'm not going to get into individual contracts. Again, you know, um, hypotheticals. Those are some hypotheticals. I don't think we're going to go down this uh, road again, right those, now. Those aren't things that I would, you know, speak about. Again, here. another hypothetical. Again, you know, um, hypotheticals. Yeah, I'm not going to get into individual contracts. There's seven of those. Took me 25 minutes. But my boss isn't listening. I hope he doesn't know that I allocate my time that way. So, yeah, I w- wasted about a half hour doing that. Um, why? I don't know. I just, I got locked in and I, I just got obsessive over it. Whatever. Anyways, I saved a bunch of other answers too. GMs never really say much in their pressers and you need to expect that going in, which is why I'm, I'm always a little perplexed on Twitter when people bitch and moan about Gudikins like deflecting every question. He's not even saying anything. Well, he's, of course he's not. What'd you expect? It's like when the president of the United States talks to the media. What do you think? They're going to tell you deep, dark secrets of the state and the CIA where all the bodies are buried? That's not how that works. So you got to go into a GM presser expecting to not get very much, especially on pertinent things like Roger's situation and Adam's contracts and all that. But he gave us some other things. He gave us, some other, he gave us plenty to talk about today. I have nine answers saved here, and they're all between 15 and 40 seconds. That's perfect. Perfect for radio. It's not like Aaron Rodgers on McAfee when he talks for two minutes at a time. 
Uh, what do you want to hear about? I have one about Adams and the franchise tag, uh, development of Jordan Love, um, relationship with Aaron Rodgers, uh, managing the salary cap, all these different things. Uh, let's start with the San Francisco game a couple of weeks ago. He was asked about a disappointing end of the season. And he was asked, after coming up short a couple of times now, after great regular seasons, what's your team missing? Yeah, I don't know if we're missing anything. I think I don't look at it that way. I think we just have to play better in those moments. You know, a um, couple of years in a row now that we haven't kind of played our best game, our best ball at the time we need to do. And I think that um, we need to be able to do that. And uh, there's a lot that factors into that. Um, but I don't think there's like one thing we're missing. Um, I just don't I don't look at building a football team like that. Well, he shouldn't look at building a football team like that because the sport is so fluid. So if you lose one playoff game and you say, well, our offensive line needs to be better. So you spend your entire offseason building the offensive line, obsessing over the offensive line. Well, then you're going to get to the next year and realize that now you have other issues and you have other things that, you know, it needs to be holistic all the time. What I heard on that answer was basically, uh, yeah, if our players could just play good in one of these playoff games, that would be great. <laughs> the Matt LaFleur. They coached a little bit better, got these guys a little bit more prepared. That'd be awesome. Goody probably comes out of this season looking better than anyone else. He nailed every signing. Eric Stokes is a great player for this team. He got rookie experience and was a solid player. He never really hurt them at any point this season. Goody threaded the needle this year, baby. I, I don't. I think he's coming out of this clean, and he knows it. He's like, well, we just need to play better. Which isn't on Goody, <laughs> you know? He's like, hey, talk to the coaches and the players. This ain't a me issue. When this is done, I'm going to go back up to my office. I'm going to chill until the draft. They'll let scouts do all the work. Yeah, I think he knows. Roster was pretty darn good. It was really good last year, too. Maybe he could have used another wide receiver. Well, whatever. I could use a million dollars. We all want things. Brian Gudikins asked about his relationship with Aaron Rodgers and whether or not it has changed. Coming into the season after everything that had happened in, in, you know, last summer um, was difficult, I think you know, for, for both Aaron and, and uh, the organization, but got to give him a lot of credit with the way he came in. I mean, he, um, what he gave to our organization and the team this year was, was impressive. And, um, you know, I, I credit a lot of that to him and, and the way he came in and, um, and our relationship now, I mean, it's, it's, uh, like I said, I think, uh, uh, I'm very, very positive about it. You know, this is what I'm talking about with Rogers. Rogers is going to take credit for this. He's going to be like, yep. Yeah. I, uh, I really helped the Packers make progress as a franchise, as a business. As a, eh, what even is a business? A business is made up of people. I, I helped these people. What a success. What a successful year really brought the Packers out of the dark ages. Okay. Whatever. Brian Gudikin says, however, he does appreciate Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, no, I'm very appreciative of uh, the kind of the links and uh, the Aaron and, and the conversations that we had throughout the season. Um, and again, I've, I've always appreciated those conversations. They were more frequent for sure this year. And I think we, we I'd like to believe we've gotten to a better place. And I appreciate his comments uh, to that fact. And I think, and again, like I said, I think Aaron's different. He's different than any player that, I mean, when you're the franchise quarterback, um, you're going to have more conversations with, with me than maybe most, a lot of players. But uh, at the same time, um, you know, I think as we move forward, he talked very much about, um, being in the conversations and things that affected his job. And, and I appreciate that very much. And I understand where he's coming from. So um, now it, it's been good. And, and it's, uh, again, in a much better place. All right. Well, that makes me happy. Uh, didn't really lead to any wins, but I guess that's a nice little side story and success story on the side of actually winning games and winning in the playoffs. I thought this question was interesting because Brian Gudikins took the answer in a route that I really didn't expect. He was asked... 
how Aaron Rodgers' decision and waiting for Aaron Rodgers' decision changes his decision-making process right now. Like, how are you conducting business with this Aaron Rodgers decision looming around things. I like where he took this answer. Everything around here kind of centers around the quarterback. That's kind of how we do things. So it's a big piece. It's a domino that um, kind of has to fall before we go down, you know, other avenues. So um, so it's important, you know, as we go through this and the, the puzzle pieces that we got to make fit, I think. So um, that's the first one to go. We've been working through this, you know, a long time. Russ and I have obviously um, been working through you know, ever since the pandemic kind of hit, we've been working through a lot of scenarios. And uh, so we're, we're kind of like, again, there's some timing elements to things. And um, we've had really good conversations with, with Aaron and, and everybody throughout the process. So, you know, it's just it's there's some timing things that obviously come into play. But again, we've kind of got it mapped out. It's process oriented. I, I like a GM that believes that team building is fluid all the time. I think when GMs get tunnel vision or front offices get tunnel vision on one thing or another, that's where you get in trouble, right? And I think the Chiefs, after last year's Super Bowl, got a little bit of tunnel vision. They saw in that Super Bowl that their offensive line was bad. That's the only thing they worked on. That's the only thing they invested in. We got to trade for this offensive lineman. They got to draft this offensive lineman. And look, Creed Humphrey was a great pick. He was maybe the best center in football this year. I'm not saying they didn't fix the offensive line, but when you tunnel vision on one issue, you ignore that entropy naturally happens elsewhere on the roster. When you're obsessing over the offensive line, did you realize that this wide receiver is a free agent and he left? Did you realize that this cornerback's getting old and you probably need to start looking into the future of him? It's always fluid. Everything is moving all the time. And I do appreciate that about Brian Gutekinds, that even though we think a team has needs and this needs to be addressed, he's thinking a year down the road, two years down the road, three years down the road, and it's always moving. It's a wheel that's always rolling, team development. And I'm glad that Aaron Rodgers' decision, or lack thereof at this stage in the game, isn't wildly throwing his decision-making process out of whack. Let's take a break. Slow News Wednesday, coming up next. Great piece from Kevin Clark about Aaron Rodgers' decision-making. There are graphs. There are percentages. There are statistics. I sat down with my highlighter today, and I think I got the crux of this. And I'm really excited to share it with you. Coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show eric eager gonna be on in an hour uh, i got a text here from i just don't know if they gave me their name lou all right lou from madison says grant uh i was watching a morning sports show and i was very surprised what they said they say that greg guard was racist when he grabbed howard and it was all his fault did you see or hear that i don't know if we're talking about the same clip i saw a clip from emmanuel acho god that dude sucks emmanuel Acho's the worst and he gave about a minute-long rant, and he's mad that Greg Gard didn't get suspended. But whatever. If, if Greg Gard got suspended for a game, I'd still defend him. Like, I loved what he did. I loved what the Badgers did on Sunday. I, I, his reasoning was just, stu- God, I can't stand Emmanuel Acho. I used to have a cut of him on here somewhere. I don't have it saved. Maybe we'll come back to it later in the show. Uh, maybe we can get back into that, Lou. I think I know what you're talking about. I'm not 100% sure, but it's kind of a funny clip because we can laugh at what an idiot Emmanuel Acho is from time to time, so... Maybe before the end of the show. Right now we're doing Packers, uh, and it's Slow News Wednesday. I want to do a Rodgers thing. So I was kind of combing around for possibilities on what we could maybe talk about. I don't know. Maybe I thought the New Yorker was going to do a 
big sit down with Shailene Woodley and Aaron Rodgers. I was like, well, I maybe fit that into the show. Like that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. That'd be interesting at the very least. Um, but no such luck. So we'll do something related to football. I, I found a piece that adds little color to our conservative Rodgers conversation. Conservative with quarterback decisions, not his politics. I don't know if that's a stone we're gonna we're gonna turn over. The author is Kevin Cole, Pro Football Focus. It's titled "The Downside of Aaron Rodgers' Ability to Avoid Interceptions." If you want to read it, the link is on my Twitter. It's pinned to our Twitter poll comparing Rodgers and, uh, Rodgers and Favre yesterday. It does require a subscription, but don't worry. I gotcha. I'm going to share with you the most important parts. This is Slow News Wednesday on the Wisco Sports Show. Thank you, Zach. Appreciate that. Kevin Cole, ladies and gentlemen, Pro Football Focus. You can find him on Twitter. Let me pull it up. He's got a podcast, too. And I want to make sure I get the name right. Kevin Cole. Kevin Cole, PFF, on Twitter. Unexpected Points Podcast. That's what it's called. He's been with Roto-Grinders, Director of Data and Analytics. Lives in Washington, D.C. Find him on Twitter. Again, this article is posted to my profile, but you got to have a subscription. So I dug some of the best parts out of this. I, I'm very excited to share this with you. The piece starts with Bob McGinn's words. Read this earlier this week. He's from Go Long. That's Tyler Dunn's thing. He was quoted in Peter King's Football Morning in America. Here's the quote. Bad interceptions are bad. Then there are interceptions that are the cost of doing business for unselfish, competitive, stat-immune quarterbacks battling to make plays and lead comebacks until the bitter end. When a quarterback, especially one with a powerful, usually accurate arm like Rodgers, deliberately minimizes chances to deliver a big play for fear of an interception. That's what's bad. That's what we want to avoid. Now, the trap that we fell into this week as Packers fans, and I saw it all over Twitter. No one is suggesting that Rodgers should throw more picks. That's not what we're saying. That's dumb. And I'm glad Kevin hit that point right away. This is like the fifth line of the article. Aggregate seasonal stats are generally good for their... Oh, excuse me, wrong line. Rodgers posted an NFL best 0.8% interception rate in the 2021 regular season, making it the fourth straight season. Rodgers has thrown fewer interceptions per pass attempt than any other quarterback in the NFL. On its face, the argument that a quarterback should throw more interceptions is absurd. Turnovers are the most costly plays for an offense in terms of expected points lost, and the plan should be, after all, to score as many points as possible. Kevin clears that up right away. Not saying he should throw more picks. That's dumb. Interceptions are bad. Turnovers are bad. They prevent scoring, and the goal is to score. However, he continues, aggregate seasonal stats are generally good for determining the quality of play, but they mask contextual deficiencies or strengths in a player's game. So we can look at the season-long statistics like interception totals or touchdown-to-interception ratio, which Aaron Rodgers is well-known for. That factors into passer rating, of which Aaron Rodgers is the best of all time. But the aggregate stats at the end of the year don't tell all of the little details in the different types of games. What about the blowouts? What about the games where you were losing, leading? What about the games that came down to the final minute? We should look in greater detail at those specific games to really understand how a quarterback ticks, especially with risk management, especially with Aaron Rodgers. Now, for the next few pages of this, Kevin uses win probability data to contextualize decision-making. If you want to know more about win probability models, Ben Baldwin has a really good site. NFLR is the code. It's public. You can just go look at it if you're skeptical in any way. He looks at EPA per attempt relative to win probability. So how many expected points are you adding per pass attempt 
when a win probability says that you're probably going to win, maybe going to win, probably not going to win, probably certainly almost not going to win, right? That's a stat we're going to look at. In other words, how does a quarterback behave when their team is leading, when their team is trailing, when they're comfortable, when they're uncomfortable, all of those things. And in this piece, he compares Rodgers to Mahomes and Brady. Now, all three of these quarterbacks throw more picks when their team has a lower win probability. So as the game gets more dire, Mahomes, Brady, and Rodgers all get a little bit more gutsy throwing the ball. Rodgers' EPA per attempt actually goes up as his team win probability approaches zero. So as the situation gets more dire for the Packers, Aaron Rodgers is, on average, adding more points per attempt than other quarterbacks. That's actually unlike most other quarterbacks. As the win probability approaches zero, most quarterbacks tail off. Aaron Rodgers does not. Brady actually remains pretty darn consistent, which is really interesting. No matter the situation, his EPA per attempt is is actually pretty solid. It's just a flat line. It's very interesting. Here's Kevin's conclusion on those two numbers, right? We're talking about uh, EPA per pass attempt relative to win probability. Efficiency numbers, EPA per play, all of these things. This is his conclusion. If Rodgers is seemingly taking on more interception risk and is more efficient than others when trailing, there doesn't appear to be a strong case that being overconservative when trailing and he's hurting the team's chances in the biggest moments. So if we look at EPA per play and we look at aggressiveness, he's actually not hurting his team when they're losing. Now we can look at quality on a per play basis, which is what we're doing. But we also want to know if the team is winning, right? Aaron Rodgers individually, statistically is solid. But what about the Packers? How are they faring in games where they're trailing big, trailing by a little, leading by a little, leading by a lot, all of these different settings. How do the Packers fare when being led by Aaron Rodgers, the quarterbacks? Kevin continues. I'm going to read this to you. Interceptions and EPA per attempt are decent proxies for aggression and play quality, but they don't specifically focus on the thing that matters most, winning the game. Showing that Rodgers has the best statistics when the situation is dire for his team doesn't dispel the notion that he's too focused on statistics rather than winning. Plotting each quarterback's team by pre-pass win probability and whether those teams actually win the game reveals that Rodgers has a good but not great team success when uh, trailing in games. So when the Packers are losing, they lose games more often than other teams. So Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, all these other quarterbacks are are pretty good at pulling out comebacks. Their numbers are pretty solid when trailing. Rodgers and the Packers, not so much. Now, if you just look at any point on this plot we're comparing team win rate to win probability let's pick 25 percent. so when Aaron Rodgers Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes are in a situation where their team has a win probability of 25 percent the team win rate a little bit of a discrepancy Patrick Mahomes has won 57 percent of his career games when his team's win probability has dipped below 25 percent that's pretty wild that's pretty impressive Brady is at 44 percent Aaron Rodgers is at 37. So Aaron Rodgers is less likely than some of his other contemporaries in the league to lead a comeback and to get a win when the situation is dire. That's interesting. And and Kevin Cole in this article, if you want to read it, plotted it on a graph. And you can see how the ebbs and flows of of getting better and getting worse and how he compares to Mahomes and Brady, which were the two other points of comparison for this article. It's very interesting. Throw selection is something he also measured in this piece, which I enjoyed reading. There's a couple tidbits in here that are interesting. Bear with me. Rodgers adjusts his average depth of target the least of all quarterbacks based on win probability. Basically means he doesn't take more shots when his team is trailing. When his team's in a bad spot, Aaron Rodgers doesn't start pushing the ball farther down the field. Other quarterbacks do. They take risks. They go for big chunk plays. They try to score quickly when their team's in a hole. Aaron Rodgers historically does not. 
Aaron Rodgers attacks the middle of the field less than other quarterbacks. That's a risky proposition as well. When his team is trailing, we're talking about that 0 to 25% win probability. That's where it's really obvious. Aaron Rodgers does not go in the middle of the field, especially, especially when his team is in a really bad spot. Now, you could say that he's trying to avoid a turnover that would effectively end the game, but he's also kind of taking his team out of a chance to score quickly, make a big play, and come back and win. With a 0 to 25% win probability again, 15% of Aaron Rodgers' throws are behind the line of scrimmage. That was the stat I found most interesting. That's way more than Mahomes, way more than Brady. So when the Packers are in a really bad spot and their win probability is really low, Aaron Rodgers throws a ton of passes behind the line of scrimmage. 15% of his pass attempts are behind the line of scrimmage when his team has a 25% chance or less of winning the game. That's nuts. So he turns into Kirk Cousins when the Packers are in a bad spot. That's really, really interesting. When you look at all the quarterbacks in the league and not just Mahomes and Brady, Rodgers' interception rate and EPA per completed pass lines up with Breeze, with Bridgewater, with quarterbacks of that ilk when his team has a 25% chance or worse of winning the game. So when the game gets tough and the Packers are in a hole, Rodgers' statistical profile matches up with Drew Breeze and Teddy Bridgewater, two quarterbacks that have lesser arms. They're, they're less gifted. They're not as athletic. They're not as talented. Why does Rodgers turn into a lesser version of himself when the team is trailing big? That's what's interesting because Rodgers has the arm of Mahomes. He's got the experience of Brady. He's got the arm talent and the accuracy, better accuracy than Josh Allen. Why does he look like Drew Brees and Teddy Bridgewater to less athletic, lesser quarterbacks when his team is trailing? Because other quarterbacks in trailing situations have been able to pull out comebacks. Rodgers typically not. I'm going to read you the final paragraph of this piece to kind of wrap it all up. I think this sums it up nicely. Well, it's not a fatal flaw. Separating a quarterback's pass locations and grouping them by win probability does reveal that Rodgers should take more risks when his team is trailing. In close games or when playing with a lead, most great quarterbacks are more efficient with fairly standard risk-taking. Rodgers is as good at this as anyone, and it's reflected in his seasonal numbers and MVPs. However, what separates quarterbacks who give their teams the best chance to win in the toughest situations is not only efficient play, but a willingness to take risks. It will lead to more game-losing interceptions, but it will also produce more improbable comebacks. At the end of the day, quarterbacks are truly remembered for their wins. So in tough situations, Aaron Rodgers starts to play not to lose rather than playing to be the reason his team wins. He's dumping the ball off behind the line of scrimmage. He's not attacking the middle of the field. And his average depth of target does not move. He doesn't start pushing the ball down the field. He doesn't start taking shots. He kind of just stays the same. Over the course of a regular season, when the Packers were favored in almost every game, as they usually are because they're good, he win a lot of games be very successful, but you get in one tough spot in the playoffs and Rodgers doesn't start pushing the ball down the field. He doesn't attack the middle of the field and he starts chucking the ball behind the line of scrimmage at a Kirk Cousins type rate 15% of the time or checking the ball down behind the line of scrimmage. You're not going to come back. You're not going to mount a comeback. You're not going to put pressure on the other team. And I think that's been Aaron Rodgers issue in some of these playoff games. Not all of them has been his fault, but he's had opportunities to grab a game by the horns twice in the last two years against the Niners and the Bucks. And it didn't happen. And I think some of this data really outlines why. Let's take a break. Maybe we'll do the Badgers thing and listen to this really stupid Emmanuel Acho take. Wisco Sports Show, back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
first show. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter at Wisco Grant. Did I miss? Did I did I miss on this? Tell me. So the Packers announced today that the next inductee of their fan hall of fame is Jeff Yazik. Yazik. I'm sorry, Jeff. Uh, he's from Mazamani, and I tweeted, "Hell yeah, Driftless Area represent." I understand Mazamani's a little off to the side. It's a little close to Madison, but. People are in my mentions telling me that it's not even close. It's close. Come on. Like, why do you why do you guys have to do this? Like, I swear, I say so much stupid stuff on this show that you just let you let go. You don't care. And then I tweet something like this, and you just you gotta get in there. Is it close enough? Can we not count Mazamania as a driftless area? Please. Anyways, congrats to Jeff. Green Bay Packers fan of Hall of Fame. Congrats, Jeff. 24th member. Very exclusive club. Almost like an owner, of which I am. Uh also another very not so, not so exclusive club. Uh, I just did a little bit of a breakdown on a piece that Kevin Cole put out at PFF about Aaron Rodgers and risk-taking in big spots. And I thought the last paragraph kind of outlined it nicely. Julie texted in and said, the concluding paragraph, the main takeaway seems to me that Rodgers and Favre were opposites in tough spots. Favre lived for them while Aaron shrinks. I don't know if Favre lived for big spots and Aaron shrinks. I just think Favre is going to go down swinging. Rodgers might go out with a little more of a whimper. I, I think Tyler Dunn, and I mentioned this, used the word apathetic the other day to describe that game against San Francisco. Favre would never be apathetic. Favre is going out throwing three picks before he would have gone out. That's not necessarily better, but one maybe would argue that Favre, just because he's willing to take big swings, gives the Packers a better chance to win. Also gives them a pretty good chance to lose because there's odds that it, you know, throw a pick. Uh, but, but... You know, it's it, neither quarterback is perfect. Ideally, we'd like Tom Brady, who in all of these stats just just gets it completely and totally gets it. I want to play you this clip because Lou texted in, and this isn't the clip that he was talking about, um, but this one's really stupid too. So if we're just playing stupid things, this works. It's Emmanuel Acho on Speak for Yourself. He's mad that Greg Gard didn't get suspended, um, which is a weird hill to die on, but here here's his reasoning. Absolutely should have been suspended for several reasons. I will start here. Number one, if you do not punish somebody enough to deter them from acting in that manner again, then why punish them at all? A $10,000 fine is no deterrent for Greg Gard. Very simply put, a $10,000 fine would be the equivalent of a $196 fine for the average American salary at roughly $51,000. A $196 fine is not deterring anybody because I still see y'all parking those handicapped parking spots that y'all should. First of all, cap. A $200 fine would very much prevent me from doing something, but go off, Manny. Shouldn't be parking in. So that's the first thing. If you are not suspending Greg Gard, then you are implying that Jawan Howard acted without being provoked. And if Jawan Howard acted without being provoked, then Jawan Howard should have gotten more than five games. But because you gave Jawan Howard five games, then that is insinuating somebody else provoked Jawan Howard, and the person, Coach Gard, who provoked Jawan Howard should be suspended as well. Lastly... Mm. We do not punish based off action. We punish based off outcome. What, what? Wait, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> we don't punish based on action. We punish based on outcome. And excuse me, I, had a, I put a potato chip in my mouth. What, what did he just say? It was the outcome of Coach Guard's action. The outcome was a scuffle. Hmm. So while his action may have been to de-escalate the situation, we never, ever, ever in society punish based off action. We exclusively punish based off outcome. The outcome was a scuffle. Coach Guard should have been suspended. What is that? It's the stupidest argument I've I've heard, well, this week. I hear a lot of stupid arguments. A lot of people th- say stupid things in sports. 
What, 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 what is that? So if I go outside and flip someone off, and then that the person who I flip off goes and shoots up a like a like an old folks home, am I getting thrown in jail for a mass shooting? What 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 in God's what did I just listen to? A two hundred dollar fine isn't preventing anything. Also, it would prevent me. It would definitely prevent me. Certainly. Thank you. Jason is from Lacrosse. Really quickly, Jason, we got about a minute and a half. What's going on? No problem. Just a little funny entity on Michigan. I think they're a little sensitive about timeout, do you think? 1993, UNC. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love people making those jokes about Juwan Howard and Chris Weber. I just, this whole thing is so dumb. Exactly. It's so dumb. It, it's so dumb. <laughs> All right. Good stuff, Grant. Have a good one. Yeah, thanks, Jason. I appreciate it. Sensitive about timeouts. I would certainly think so. Jason LaCrosse, yeah. Stupid Juwan Howard. Schmidt on the north side says, scientifically, the Driftless area does include half of Dane County. That's what I thought. I even looked up a map. It was inconclusive, so I sent the tweet anyways, which, by the way, has a rousing three likes. So I, I know it's, re- it's really controversial here. Rockin' Rick says, you're baiting Dave and Monona. How am I da- baiting Dave? What did I say? The Driftless area or the stupid Emmanuel Acho take? Oh, on, are you saying I'm race baiting, Dave? Yeah, I don't. Dave might have to take a break the rest of the week. Um, if you call, you're going to get on, and you have to do something pretty bad for me to cut you off. I, I think I think Dave might be banned from the rest of the week from the show. And if he's listening right now, I know he's laughing. Dave, I appreciate you as a caller. You're you're a good guy. I think you're a little misunderstood, but you're you're banned for the rest of the week. You're uh, <laughs> you're I'm sorry. You're just you're gonna have to sit the rest of the week out. Uh, I think you 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 had your take the other day, and and we're just gonna leave it at that. Coming back, I want to talk a little bit more about Aaron Rodgers and what we learned yesterday, which is not very much. But I was made a little upset by a bit of Packers news this morning, and it relates to Aaron Rodgers. We'll talk about that. Hear a little bit more from Goody and Eric Eager. Pro Football Focus going to be here at 530. First, an update from our good, good buddy, Zach Heilprin. Again, those are hypotheticals. Those are some hypotheticals. I don't think we're going to go down those roads right now. Again, you know, um, hypotheticals. Yeah, I'm not going to get into individual contracts. Uh, again, those, those aren't things that I would speak about here. Yeah, again, another hypothetical. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. I just had this tweet come across my timeline. I, I feel like I need to read it. This just seems too on the nose. Today war, uh, marks one month since the Packers lost to the 49ers. Kind of wild how that game will be forever remembered as a tragic disaster, despite featuring one of Green Bay's best defensive performances of the 21st century. That is kind of hilarious. Not in a Not in a fun way. It's hilarious in a sad way. But the Packers finally had a good defensive game. And they still, they still found a way to lose it. Uh, we're not dwelling on that game. We've moved on to the offseason, which is much more enlightening. We're waiting on Aaron Rodgers to make his decision. He's become Favre. Brett Favre 2.0. We're doing it. And he transformed into Favre in less than a calendar year. This technically started in April, as far as we know. As far as it, as it matters to us. It started on draft day last year. It took less than a calendar year for him to turn into Favre. And what makes me laugh is Aaron Rodgers keeps saying he's not going to be Brett Favre, you know, not going to put the franchise in a tough spot and make them wait on a decision. Dude, that's what you're doing. <laughs> that's literally what you're doing, though. So you can say you're not going to do it, but you're you're doing it. You're doing it right now as we speak. 
This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. We got Eric Eager coming up in a half hour. Pro Football Focus. He's on the Forecast Pod. He is excellent, and I'm very excited to talk Packers with him. Maybe we'll do some more wide-ranging NFL stuff as well. Who knows? It's always a great time when Eric's on the show. At PFF underscore Eric on Twitter if you want to find him. You can find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Right now, the debate raging on my Twitter account is whether or not Mesa Maney's in the Driftless area. So all of the reading and show prep I did for the day, might as well throw that out because none of that matters. We need to get down to business and decide if Maze Maney is in the Driftless area or not. It started because Jeff Yazik or Jeff Yazik of Maze Maney has been named the 24th member of the Green Bay Packers Fan Hall of Fame. And I said, Driftless area, represent, let's go. Got this tweet. Is Maze Maney part of the Driftless? I don't think so. Pretty flat around that area. AJ, thank you, AJ, for hopping in. He says, no, 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 no. Northwest Dane County, still driftless. Not as pronounced as it is around La Crosse, but if you look at satellite images, you can see the topography. Yes, you can. Damn right, AJ. Damn right, you can see the topography. Now, the hills are less frequent, and they're not as beautiful as the bluffs that we boast right here in beautiful La Crosse, but they're still there. Really, all of Highway 14. It's just a treat to drive. Vernon County, driftless corner of the state. Mazamani. Congrats, Mazamani. Today is for you. Happy for you. And Jeff, the newest member of the Packers Hall of Fame. I want to talk about this restructuring of Kenny, uh, Kenny Clark's contract and what it means. But before we get there, let's talk with Eric on I-90. As long as Eric isn't about to bring up race. Eric, you're not going there, are you? Uh, no, I, I, I don't have nothing to say about race. Okay, Grant. okay, good, good, good. So we'll just talk football. That makes me happy. What's going on, Eric? Well, first I want to talk about the Driftless area. As we should. All right. Yeah. I grew up in Westby, born and raised. Oh, beautiful. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, this Driftless crowd has kind of overtook the whole area. All right. What do you mean? When I grew up there, it was just the Cooley region. We were the Cooley region. Ah. This this Driftless area. I think this is this is a bunch of hippies oh. that have taken over the whole area. Well, if there's if there's a group of people that should take over an area, well, what's wrong with hippies? Quiet, keep to ourselves. No, I got I got no I got no problem with the hippies. Oh, all right, and that's not race, right? No, race. no, no, it's not. I I shouldn't have said anything. I was taking a shot at Dave and Monona, but we should just leave that dog lie. Right. So, anyways, I just I just don't like the Driftless area. I'm from the Cooley region. Oh, that's where I'm from. I'm not. Not, I, I, I just don't like. I just you. You always want to know a little bit more about us, and that's a little bit of something about. You know, can I can I tell you one thing about me before we get into football, Eric, re- regarding Westby? Sure, sure. One of sure. my favorite roads might be my favorite road in the world is Highway P from Coon Valley, and then it it goes right past the Westby Ski Jump, in the North Skidalen area. Yep. So many good little fly yep. fishing spots there, and it's a it's a privilege to drive in the fall with the pretty colors or in the on a nice summer evening. One of my one of the best spots in the entire state that I've ever been. It is. It's, it's beautiful down there, and uh, if you're ever down there, though, and it starts raining real heavy, you know you might want to get out. Get out. Although I Fast. live, I live in a neighborhood on the south side of La Crosse. You should see it in the summer when it rains. Half of my car will be underwater because the ra- the rainwater has nowhere to go. It looks like a river on my street. So I guess it's one of you know dozen of one, a- half dozen of the other, or whatever the expression is. But, it- yeah. It's amazing how fast it'll come up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The water. 
anyways. Football. Well, anyway. Football. Yeah, oh. Aaron Rodgers. Football. Yeah. Well, yeah, go go there. Well, I've been listening. I've been listening to you even on the. I'm getting double doses of Grant because I'm listening on the way to work and the way home. Okay? Wow, what a treat. Um, and you know, you don't. Nobody needs any more Kirk Cousins. <laughs> you don't need. It's not cowbell. We don't need more cowbell. Okay. You don't need any more Kirk Cousins, right? Come yeah. on. We don't need that. Aaron Rodgers um, needs to be a little bit more like, more checkdowns here and there. I think that's what I mean when I say Aaron Rodgers needs a little bit more Kirk. That's what he needs. Just go for the smaller play if it's there sometimes. That's all I mean by that. I think so, too. Um, you know, the the statistics that you were just talking about here, say, like five, ten minutes ago. Yeah. Um, what yeah. those st- statistics don't really show, though, is, you know, how is that defense playing in that situation against yeah. The person throwing the ball, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Uh, um, I think one thing that I've seen, uh, and, and, and it's, you know, Kirk Cousins, when he gets under pressure, it's, it, it, he just melts down. Yeah. And I think that Aaron, Pres- Aaron Rodgers, you know, that game against San Francisco, uh, I don't know how many times he was sacked, but the eyeball test on that defensive line was they were two to three yards into that backfield, all four of them, mm-hmm. like, just after the ball was snapped. You know what I mean? Yeah. There was – the eyeball test on that was they're coming. And I know – I think that when he sees that, that's when he starts to retract a little bit. Right? Because there's no way out of this situation. Yeah. I can't throw a long ball. I can't throw a short ball because I don't have time to do anything. Yeah, I, I also think well, so. I, I, I pulled up the stats. Aaron Rodgers was sacked five times in that game. I also think there are certain quarterbacks that when they start to get under pressure, it, it gets in their head a little bit. And even on plays where they're not pressured, even on plays in this game against San Fran, I bet you'd go back and watch. There are plays where Aaron Rodgers does have a clean pocket, and he stills act, he's got happy feet. He's, he's still a little worried. And I, and I guess I don't blame him because if he's getting chased around, even on plays where you're not chased around, you're still worried about that pressure. But that's something as a quarterback you got to right. be able to block out, and, and I don't know if Rodgers always does that. No, he's 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 shown that he's incredibly bad at it in that situation. <laughs> he, no, he, he's couldn't. I'm just I'm just saying that he's shown that not unlike a lot of quarterbacks when they get under pressure. Another thing too is game situation. You know, if you go back to that Tampa Bay game and Tom Brady, you know Tom Brady was they were ahead in the game, and he was taking shot after shot after shot, and I think that he was in the mindset, listen, this isn't even close to being over. We've got to get more points on the board, right? Yeah, yeah. Or maybe he was trying to do it all in in one play. He thought that maybe the Packers had a better chance to have one big scoring play than put together a long drive, and maybe that's what he was thinking too. I I don't know. So who knows what they're thinking? But of course you got you got your defense playing real well too. So you're not afraid to do that. Yeah, that's... Oh, it's so much. It's so much to consider, Grant. Yeah. Oh yeah. But you know, at the, at the end of the day, you know, it's going to be the weekend after Labor Day before you know it, Ugh. and we'll all be sitting in front of the TV watching our team. Yeah. And Rogers and we, is going to be back. It won't matter who the quarter. Yeah, right. But Rogers. And it is won't matter who. I, I know what you mean. Yeah, but it won't matter who the quarterback is. It won't. You'll be watching, That's and true. you'll be fired up, and everybody will be happy because everybody's got a chance. And quite frankly, with Rodgers, that probably gives the Packers the best chance to get to the playoffs. 
Yeah. Half that, I don't know. Yeah. No, I think he hit the nail on the head. He's going to be back with the Packers. It's happening. Why are we even acting like anything else is the case? All right, thanks, Eric. I'm going to let you go. Appreciate you, buddy. Yep, bye. Eric on I-90. Oh, Westby Norseman. Never knew Eric. I like learning more about callers here and there. I'm not telling you to crack open your personal life, tell me everything, but it's just nice to know. Schmidt on the north side astutely makes a point that I thought about making to Eric, but I didn't want to cut him off. All of the Cooley region is part of the Driftless, but not all of the Driftless region is part of the Cooley region. Uh, rectangle square type situation. You know, all squares are rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares type of thing. Very similar. We're talking about a lot of topography today, which I enjoy. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I didn't expect the show to go in this direction. I guess the one piece of solid news we got today is that the Packers restructured Kenny Clark's contract. Field Yates had the scoop this morning, 8.03 a.m. Packers converted $13.6 million of Clark's 2022 salary into a signing bonus and then added two void years on the back end. His cap hit in 2023 is going to be $24 million. It's going to be $25 million in 2024. So there's some fat numbers that gets pushed back into the future. They're going to have to pay that bill one day or another. Obviously, they still want to contend, and they still want Aaron Rodgers on this team. So that's the priority right now. I don't like this. I I want Rodgers to take a pay cut. And in my opinion, I think Rodgers should want to take a pay cut. I want Rodgers to walk into the Packers building or talk to Goody and say, you know what? You know, I've, I've been a little bit of a pain in the butt the last year. Um, and I, I I don't even need him to apologize. I just want him to realize, look, I've, I've been I've been a lot. Uh, and you guys have been great. And I love the place that we are as a franchise. I didn't play very well in the playoffs. And, and I know that we need the best team possible for, for us to win in the playoffs, which is my goal. That's your goal. I know. Let me take a pay cut. I've had a long career, made a lot of money. I'm going to continue to make a lot of money. Let me take a pay cut. I want him to want to do that. I don't even want the Packers to beg him or ask him. He should want to. And it's going to be tough for me to watch every other player get their contract redone and moved around, and Rodgers just strolls in and and gets to be fine with it all. I don't know. Ed is in Madison, 608-796-2558. Ed, welcome. What's going on? Hey, man. I just want to let you know, Dave Monona. Yeah. He's got other radio shows in Madison, too, you know. he's He does what? He's you got, cut out there for a sec. Sorry. He's got history. He's got a history, bud. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He calls his zone all the time. He's a miserable man, but he he enjoys being miserable. He thinks it's funny. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's actually a great listen. I like listening to him. He kind of makes me uh, laugh. Oh, yeah. But, hey. He makes me laugh, too. He's wrong about a lot of things, as long as he's not saying something offensive, and we were borderline there this week, so we got to ban him for a couple of days. Sure. I, I, I get it. You know, I'm really uh, – that Aaron Rodgers interview the other day Yeah. where he you was know, talking to McAfee Show. Man, I'm telling you, I swear I heard his girlfriend, ex, or whatever you want to call her in the background, laughing. Yeah, I think they're still together. They might be. I don't get the drama why he, he keeps spiraling, spinning this drama. I feel like it's like a soap opera show that you just continuously watch. My wife's big on soap operas. Which ones? And the days of our lives, man. Oh, yeah. We could, we could do this with the Packers. We call it plays of our lives. What do you think about that? Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. You're on it, man. Hey, I love listening to you. You make my ride back to work awesome. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you for the call. I appreciate you. That's Ed in Madison. Have a good night, man. 608-796-2558. Look, I, I get the really quickly to address this because we got some texts the other day. If Dave goes down that road and gets political or weird like that again, I'll just cut him off because Dave won't mind. 
Like, Dave knows he's crabby. He knows he's a pain in the butt. But I do enjoy Dave's. Dave's a friendly guy. He's he's not a hateful guy. His takes are weird. Like, he hates Matt LaFleur. What, we're giving him too much discussion time. Uh, but I've <laughs> brought him up. Um, I think Shailene Woodley was in the background. You could hear her laughing. I even saw someone on Twitter who took a clip of her laughing on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon and paired it up with the laugh from that video. Sound pretty similar. Maybe I'm just hearing what I want to hear. But I get a good kick out of it. Tom texts in. Says, Grant, why don't the Packers just offer Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams $20 million a year for four years fully guaranteed? Even $25? I, I don't know. You know what they should do is say, hey, we have this much money left. You guys figure up how to figure out how to split it up. <laughs> Here, we, we have $30 million to allocate to the both of you. You two sit down and figure it out. If you both want to play together and you like Green Bay, we'll figure it out. We have this much money this year. You guys divvy it up. And if you can't figure it out, then bye-bye to the both of you. Maybe that strategy would work. I don't know. The mayor in New Glarus, uh, he says, you're absolutely right, Grant Rogers will be back. We didn't hire Tom Clements to turn Jordan Love into Rogers. Aaron Rodgers, I guess, was involved in this decision. And we can hear from Brian Gutekunst about that next. But I guess he was consulted. And Goody talked about Rogers' request of wanting to be involved with things that impact his job. Right? Which... I know it sounds common sense, but let's be real. My job, your job, we're all out of the loop on decisions that directly impact our job. Some things we're consulted on, but others were not. And that's just a reality of life. However, professional sports are different than real life a little bit. And I, you know, Rogers should be asked a little bit. Hey, which quarterback coach do you like more? This guy or that guy? We're trying to make a decision, right? Which wide receiver do you like? We're trying to make a decision. I, That's reasonable. Um, but to act like we need to overhaul this whole thing and Aaron Rodgers needs to be considered on every little thing that could possibly impact his job, I think that's a little much. We'll talk about that. Talk about Tom Clements here from Brian Gutekunst, who spoke to the media today. That's coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. <laughs> Wisco Sports Show, Eric Eager going to be here in about 10 minutes. Pro Football Focus, he's on the forecast pod. Excellent analyst, really smart dude. We're all going to learn a thing or two about the Packers and about the NFL as we're now one month away or one month after the Packers lost. What's in about a month? Anything? We look towards the draft in late March, early April, free agency, I guess. I mostly just want to ask him about the Packers. Travis is in lacrosse. 608-796-2558. What's going on, Travis? Welcome. Not too much. How are you doing? Long I am time doing no talk. Excellent. Yeah, it is long time no talk. Um yeah. What do you got yeah, what do you got going on today, Travis? So you're I heard you were talking about Kenny Clark Steele and yeah. how he's taking a pay cut. Is he really taking a pay cut when he's just getting it converted into a signing bonus? No, he he's not he's not taking a pay cut. He's not losing money. What bothers me is the Packers are moving mountains and they're really tearing up the next couple of years of their future. And like, sure, they can. Nobody's losing out of money. This isn't unfair to Kenny Clark. He's not taking a cut. I I want Rodgers to want to take a cut. You know what I mean? And and I, I rather than rather than moving mountains, why doesn't Aaron Rodgers just take a little less? That seems easier to me. Do you think he's going to be the last one to do it and say, yeah, I finally did it for the team? And look at me, I'm being the bigger person, and I'm finally taking a cut for the team with an extension involved with that. Yeah, well, yeah, you might. I mean, at that point, he's just doing it to say that he did it, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, basically. Uh, 
I mean, I, I mean, sure, I, pay cut's better than no pay cut, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, but that's where I was kind of going to go with that one. I was just kind of curious on how you're, you were kind of wording it like he was taking a pay cut when they're really not. So I was just seeing if we could get a little bit of clarity out of that. Yeah, no, no, thank you for correcting me. So where do they go next? Do they go to Amos? Do they go to Bakhtiari? Who else can they restructure? Bakhtiari should be the next one to go get his redone. I understand he did it last year, but... I, he needs to again this year as well. He's the next one after Rogers, I believe, when it comes to salary cap. It's either that or him or Preston Smith. They're yeah, saying they right there in the top three. Cut Preston Smith. All right. You know what's funny about Goody's presser today? No one asked him about Zedarius Smith because everyone just knows that he's yeah. gone. They just assumed. Yes, I, I met, I'm sorry. I meant uh, Zedarius Smith. Oh, oh, I gotcha. Yeah, nobody asked about it. He didn't but, even come up today. No, and I was listening to the Big Show in Milwaukee, and Sparky said the same exact thing. And he thinks it could have been due to all the follow-up questions that were going on into that uh, presser, but I don't know. Yeah. I was kind of not happy with that as well. It was pretty, it was pretty cryptic as well. Yeah, and Goody's not going to give you much, I guess. No, I no, and thank you for correcting me on the on the Kenny Clark thing. Travis, before I let you go, I'm sorry. When you called in, it, I, I didn't connect because you're, you're Twitter, Travis. I, I, I'm sorry. I didn't put it together who you were, so I was confused when I took your call, and if I sounded like I was out of the loop, that's why. No, I thank you for the call. I, I forgot for a second no, exactly who I was talking to. Thanks, Travis. No, you're good. Yep, thank you. Yeah, have a good night. That's Travis in lacrosse. I apologize. Because he's on Twitter, he's Travis Shaw. And I always see that, and I think it's a parody account, but that's actually his name. So when Travis calls in, it doesn't connect, because in my mind, I see him on Twitter as Travis Shaw, and I think it's some Brewers account. You know, so I'm sorry, Travis. Thanks for the call. 608 608- Seven nine six two five five eight. Kenny Clark not taking a pay cut. They're just moving money around. They're just adjusting things a little bit. Brian Gudikin said today in his presser, probably not the only contract they're going to do that with. They're going to move money around. They're going to touch different contracts up. Uh, I thought an interesting question, and this always seems to come up. You know, what would you what would you want to ask Ted Thompson right now? What well, what could you take away from Ted Thompson and his situation in two thousand eight compared to what's going on right now? Yeah, I think they're they're two different situations. Um, and to be fair, Jason, I wasn't here on a day-to-day basis to really, you know, have my kind of finger on the, on the pulse of what was going on. And a lot of what I know about that time is more, you know, kind of third-hand information. Um, at the same time, I think, you know, I think the most important thing is we build the football team. You know, you, that I think that's the most important. You don't ever stop building our football team and trying to get better. Um, and then I think, you know, certainly through the last, you know, three years or so, just kind of like, you know, learning um, – what uh, what is important, you know, to our players, and, and I think it's a changing environment that way. It's always changing. I like that Brian Gutekunst talks about team building that way. It's always moving, always. The target's always moving, the goal is always moving, and you're always thinking into the future because the issue that the Packers have right now will not be the issue that they have in six months, 12 months, 18 months, 24 months. It's always changing. So team building never stops, and he reiterated that when he was asked about his decision-making. Like, you're waiting on Rodgers. How does that impact what you are doing? And he's like, well, not really all that much. Everything around here kind of centers around the quarterback. That's kind of how we do things. So it's a big piece. It's a domino that um, kind of has to fall before we go down, you know, other avenues. So um, so it's important, you know, as we go through this and the, the puzzle pieces that we got to make fit, I think. So um, that's the first one to go. We've been working through this, you know, a long time. Russ and I have obviously 
um, been working through, you know, ever since the pandemic kind of hit, we've been working through a lot of scenarios. And uh, so we're, we're kind of like, again, there's some timing elements to things. And um, we've had really good conversations with, with Aaron and, and everybody throughout the process. So, you know, it's just, it's, there's some timing things that obviously come into play. But again, we've kind of got it mapped out. Their model, as long as I can remember, and it's been very central to Packers fandom in my life, it's always based around the quarterback. How can we support the quarterback? How can we build around the quarterback? But he also mentioned, we have a team building process. We have a strategy. We have steps that we want to go through this offseason. And while the quarterback is central to everything we do, we can't just stop all operations while we wait on Rodgers. Team building is constant. It's 24-7. It's always changing. It's very, very fluid. Uh, what else did Brian Gutekinds talk about? I have a bunch of cuts. And we're not going to play them all. He was asked straight up, can you keep Rodgers and Adams without gutting the rest of the roster? And he actually gave a pretty direct answer. I feel very confident about that. I do. I think, again, um, you know, i got to give a lot of credit to Russ. Um, he does an excellent job, and we've worked through a lot of different scenarios. Um, there's always challenges, um, but having good players here, uh, you work around that. And I think uh, having those guys here certainly makes us a very good football team. You work around that as if it's a hindrance to have the opportunity to have Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams on your team. If Rodgers and Adams come back, I, I, I want them to go about things a little bit differently. I think that Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams believe that they are unguardable, that they're unstoppable because they've been together for so long. I want those two to get back into Green Bay if they come back, get into training camp and act as though they have literally never met each other. Act like you've never played together before. In the film room, work on it. Don't don't step out into the field with a smirk and be like, "Ah, we've done this a million times." Uh, pretend that you haven't. Pretend that you pretend that you barely know each other, and and design your connection for next year as if it's brand new. Right? Sit down and watch the film together. Work on things together. I don't know. Show up to OTAs. Because if I got to watch Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup figure it out in one season and win a Super Bowl by themselves. I feel like Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams should be able to do the same thing, and they haven't even come close at all. One more thing from Brian Gutekunst. How have things changed in the last year? I think you're constantly evolving. I don't think we change our integrity in the way we where we approach things. Uh, I think that's the one thing about this organization that uh, makes you proud to work here, especially as long as I've been here, is we do things honestly and, and, and uh, um, by the rules, by the book. You know, kind of sort of thing. I think there's there's certainly you're always kind of evolving and trying to become better uh, at what you tweaking the process, so to speak, uh, to become better. Um, and yeah, there's you know, there's no doubt that the last couple of years has Im- have impacted how we go about our business. No doubt. Communicating more, probably. I mean, Goody's probably going out of his way to play Kate Rogers, and like Goody, Goody, I, I believe as a as a football guy is probably a typical man. And men, if they're women listening, you probably understand this. Men just think that there are certain things that need to go unsaid. Men do not send each other thinking of you cards because we're buddies. It's implied. I'm thinking of you. I don't need to reiterate that with some note, right? Or or men do not, like, sometimes women, we we say we need to express ourselves more. Why? I married to you. Bought you a ring. We live together, for God's sake. We got kids. Why do I need to go out of my way? Because men just, certain things are implied. Brian Gutekunst over the last year is probably breaking that thought process a little bit and saying, you know, I need to actually go out of my way to tell Aaron Rodgers that I like him and he's good for this team because for whatever reason, he just, he wants to hear it. All right, fine. I'll communicate more. Fine. I'll say the obvious, even though I feel like I don't have to. I think Brian Gutekunst is probably changing the way he communicates, probably just communicating more. And Rodgers echoed that in the McAfee show yesterday. Let's take a break. We'll get Eric Eager on the horn. Communicate with that guy from Pro Football Focus. He'll join the Wisco Sports Show next. 
This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, if you want to join in on the debate that somehow overtook today's show, whether or not Mesa Maney's in the Driftless area, the newest member of the Packers Fan Hall of Fame is from Mesa Maney. Congrats, Jeff. Your 24th inductee all time. That's a very exclusive group. Uh, and it's from this corner of the state, except people are, we're, the, the debate's going on Twitter. Go do it on Twitter, at Wisco Grant, if you really want to argue about that. We've also, of course, been talking Packers. Brian Gutekind spoke to the media today. Aaron Rodgers did his thing on McAfee yesterday. Maybe to move away a little bit from the offseason drama and talk about actual football, we have Eric Eager, Pro Football Focus. Eric, I, I wanted to have you on to eulogize the 2021 Packers, but... They kind of caught me off guard losing when they did, so I wasn't really ready to book guests to talk about a loss, and then I didn't want to bother you doing Super Bowl week, so we're doing this about a month later. But how have things been? You looked like you're having a blast at the Super Bowl. The interviews were great. What's new? Yeah, things are good. And uh, Much like Aaron Rodgers, uh, the 2021 Packers season is time to live forever. Uh, yeah. He, <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what his goal is. Do you think, by the way, the cleanse, do we believe that he did that? Or I mean, I wouldn't put it past him just bring that up just to get it trending just to be a troll, too. I mean, he said he read and ran, and then he admitted not to, uh, which I think actually, like, I'm, I'm trying to decide, uh, was that a net positive for him or not? Yeah. Um, you know, he is a guy who seems like a little bit about the show, for sure. And, I, you know, his predecessor in Green Bay, similar to that, all the way down to, like, the vomiting. Um, <laughs> and, you know, maybe he's learned a lesson or two from Brett as to how to keep a career and a, a notoriety alive. Oh, my God. It's just something in Green Bay. I think it makes people go a little bit nuts. Let's start with that game. They played in Green Bay, lost to Jimmy G. Let's not overcomplicate this. What what, what did you see? What the hell happened in that game? I mean, I I came back. I, I, I like I pretty much like left for 10 minutes, mm-hmm. came back, and they're up 7 nothing. They were six-point favorites in that game, five-and-a-half, depending upon where you know you were betting. And I'm like, okay. That's how it's going to be. Uh, it was a good season for the Niners. And then, yeah. you know, they never scored again. Um, they never scored a touchdown again. They had the big play to Aaron Jones at the end of the half. And they, you know, they moved the ball okay at times. But for the most part, they had a hard time protecting Rodgers. I think Bakhtiari, you know, his loss was, and Corey Lindsley, their losses were felt, uh, you know, in some of these big games. Um, and then obviously, you know, much like in 2014 and, and other years, their special teams let them down. And, and, because, you know, when you watch that game back, I mean, the Niners were not going to score touchdowns on their own in that game. And, yeah. and it really did take a sort of miraculous meltdown by the Packers to lose that game. And, and I think, unfortunately for them, it was sort of laying out their nights for them. I mean, they were probably going to get, I mean, obviously the Rams game happened after, but they were going to get the Rams at home, a team they kind of decimated, uh, you know, in the regular season. So uh, I think, unfortunately for Packers fans, you know, it was a year where there wasn't a great team in the NFL. Um, besides maybe them and Buffalo. And, you know, Buffalo didn't make it. And Green Bay, unfortunately, I think, squandered an opportunity to win another Super Bowl. Well, and I think the, if 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 there are fan bases that should be really bummed about how the, the end of the season panned out, Buffalo, obviously, um, they their timing just sucked because they had to play the Chiefs early. And, I mean, that was a great game. It just didn't go their way. Um, I think Bucks fans, Packers fans, and Chiefs fans should be bummed because there wasn't an elite team. So in a year like this, one of those elite quarterbacks should have a huge advantage. I mean, the Chiefs weren't even that good this year, and they hosted the AFC title game, and they were almost a touchdown favorite. And yet it wasn't one of these elite quarterbacks. So I think this year, like you said, stings a little bit extra for Packers fans. But also, if your team had Brady or Mahomes, this really seems like one that got away. 
I, I, I agree with 100%. I was in Kansas City for the games against the Bengals, and I was on uh, their their radio pregame show, and I said the exact same thing. I said, look, you know, there were some great quarterbacks. There was some great quarterback play in the NFL this year. Um, you know, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, yeah. uh, you know, even I think Tom Brady for sure. Um, and, you know, Matthew Stafford. Um, he, I think Mahomes had his worst year. And weirdly, all but Stafford got eliminated by the time you got to the, the championship round. Uh, and the Chiefs, as a result, were sitting pretty, you know, pretty well yeah. in a year where I don't think they played a great season. And, and you know, and I think the same thing for the Packers that you know they were uh, a much closer efficiency-wise and point differential-wise to the 2019 team that I don't think anybody was going to you know hang a banner for. Yeah. But at the same time, they had you know team success that was very similar to a 2020 team that I thought was a lot better of a team. Um, and, and to not be able to take advantage less of that to let, you know, a team like the L.A. Rams, a very flawed team, a very, uh, you know, imperfect team, um, come in and win their Super Bowl. You know, if you're a Chiefs, Bills, or Packers fan, you know, Bucks fan, you have to feel pretty down about that. Part of me wants to criticize Matt LaFleur. I don't really know what for, uh, but they haven't played their best in big moments, and I, and I don't know how to relate that to head coaching other than the head coach is in charge of everything. So if something goes wrong, it, it one way or another traces back to the head coach. Doesn't there come a point in huge playoff games, however, where the head coach just got to look at their quarterback and turn them loose? Like, I think of Andy Reid telling Mahomes, like, hey, when times are grim, what did he say? Bring, be the grim reaper. It, doesn't Matt LaFleur get to a point where he's like, hey, Rodgers, go win it for us or not? Like, I helped coach you through the regular season. We got you the seed. I, I put this offense into place. But doesn't a head coach have to look at their quarterback and be like, okay, now it's, now it's your turn to go do this? I, I don't really know what to blame Matt LaFleur for in all this. It is weird because I, I like to I like to give Matt Lafleur a lot of credit, but I'm also in a similar way. I don't know what for in a lot of cases. Like that team, you know, <laughs> has a lot of turnover. They have a lot of injuries. They have a lot of bad luck, and he somehow gets them to 13 wins every single season. And, and, it, and it really is a remarkable act of coaching out of him. You know, for me, you know, one of the reasons the Packers lost that game is that Rodgers sort of got healthy with the toe, and instead of you know, where he got so hot in the second half of the season, staying in the pocket, making the reads, you know, throwing the ball on time because there wasn't the alternative of moving around. I think in the playoff game, he kind of freelanced a little bit, did some of the things that maybe LaFleur doesn't want him to do. Uh, and that, that lack of structure, in the similar way that the Mahomes in the AFC title game, uh, you know, went to the Packers' disadvantage. But to me, I think, you know, Matt LaFleur does such a good job. The Packers don't lose they don't lose games in a row. They don't lose against bad teams. They don't lose at home very often. And to me, that puts you in a position every single year to do exactly what you talked about, Grant, which yeah. is, you know, you're the one seed. The, the path in front of you is easier than for everybody else, and that's because you got a coach that doesn't give away wins um, during the regular season. So it's up to all of you guys, the stars on the team, to carry the team forward. And, and you know, and I think – to me, I think that's why LaFleur doesn't necessarily deserve a ton of blame for me um, because he, he puts his team in position, you know, with the first 17 games of the year that almost every team in the NFL covets. Yeah, I agree. We're talking with Eric Eager, Pro Football Focus. The forecast pod is awesome. You can find him on Twitter at PFF underscore Eric. I, I want to compare the Packers to the Bucks, And I know, I, I don't think, I, I think I asked you about the NBA. You're just so busy with football. I get, you don't have time to watch everything, but... The Bucks for two years with Giannis were a regular season juggernaut, right? Giannis won the MVPs. They got coach of the year. They won 60 games. The one seed in 18 and 19. And then they fell flat in the playoffs. And last year, the Bucks got more top-heavy. They added Drew Holiday. So they, they gave up some depth to get a little more star power. 
they changed things in the regular season, and for that reason, they they lost some more games, especially close games. But they learned from that, and then it paid off. They were better in the playoffs as a result. What's the NFL version of that? How can the Packers follow what the Bucks did to to overcome kind of their playoff struggles and, and get over the top? Yeah, I think in a weird way, and and it, it often happens in reverse, right? You have like the the 2007 Giants win the Super Bowl out of the five seed, then the next year they go uh, 13-3 and three and lose. Uh, you know, the Packers win the Super Bowl out of the sixth seed in 2010, yeah. then they go 15-1 and and lose in, the, in, in round two. Um, it, it, you know, maybe the closest one was Kansas City where, you know, in 2018 they went 12-4. and four. Uh, They had the one seed and they were favored in the AFC title game against New England. Uh, then the next year Mahomes gets hurt. They have to kind of grind their way. They get lucky to even get a bye with the two seed, and then they win the Super Bowl. Um, you know, against a bad, they kind of let the NFL blowtorch itself, and they get stuck with you know Houston, Tennessee, and San Francisco yeah. on a road to a Super Bowl, which I think a lot of people would find favorable. Um, and then the next year they go fourteen and two and lose the Super Bowl. Right? It's sort of that that pattern where, and I think this is I think this is maybe the the case is, uh, you know, the the last time an MVP of the NFL. Um, won the Super Bowl in the same year was last century. It was in 1999. And I think, like, there's a little bit of, of a lesson there. In, when you win the Super Bowl, you often win another team's Super Bowl. Mm. And, and, and when I say that, I mean the team that's favored going into the playoffs almost never wins the Super Bowl. Um, and, you know, maybe maybe there's a little bit of just, like, sneaking up on teams in such a schematic game, right, where if the Chiefs are the one seed, everybody's building the defense to beat the Chiefs. And so yeah. if you have run a Titans offense, maybe that corners the market a little bit better and you can have an edge, even though you're not a sustainable long-term winner. Or if you're the Rams playing the Rams way, or, uh, you know, when, when Lamar Jackson's offense was the taste of the town in 2019, everybody forgot about how big of a juggernaut the Chiefs were. Yeah. Uh, and they go and sneak a Super Bowl that year. So to me, it, it's, it's weird, but it, it, almost always in football, it's bad to be the hunted one. Yeah, that's a good way of framing it. And, and what I've pointed out, the Packers brought back Tom Clements, who was a quarterback coach and, and OC under McCarthy. And, and I don't like them bringing it back because I think that makes Rodgers comfortable. And I think maybe the last two years, especially in the NFC, showed us that comfort maybe isn't necessarily a good thing. Brady in a new situation, needing to learn on the fly and struggle. They lost to the Bears. The Rams had a losing streak this year. Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford learning on a fly, new coaches, new scheme. I I don't know. Maybe things just get too comfortable. And, and Rodgers and the Packers have just kind of slunk into this rut I man I don't know I something that I talked about earlier on the show tonight was Kevin Cole's piece on Rodgers and risk-taking especially when the game is dire so the, the numbers that I was looking at when the Packers have a win probability of 25 percent or less right what is Rodgers doing well we learned through Kevin Cole's research his average depth of target doesn't get bigger he actually checks the ball down more often behind the line of scrimmage he doesn't target the middle of the field when you read that piece and looked at some of the data, was any of that new to you? Was that unexpected? Do you have anything to add to that research? No, I, I you know, and I think similarly about some other quarterbacks, you know, in the, in the division, like for Cousins and stuff, it, it's sort of one of those where it doesn't show up in the statistics or the statistics looking at directly, which, you know, there, there's a law called Goodhart's Law, which essentially says that once something gets measured, it ceases to be as effective because, it becomes the thing that people are trying to optimize. And I think with touchdowns, interceptions, things like that, you know, sometimes it's important to take a step back and say, okay, how successful is this team in reality? Because you can sort of be so laser focused to what the quarterback's doing individually. 
that you can miss the forest for the trees. And that's why, you know, I mean, I think it's instructive that Matthew Stafford led the NFL in interceptions this year um, and, and ended up winning the Super Bowl. He's the third quarterback ever to do it. And you think about that, like, you know, 56 Super Bowl champions, and, and three of them led the league in interceptions as a quarterback. Yeah. Um, that, that, that's pretty un- unlikely, except for there's a trait to throwing some more. Not a lot of interceptions. You don't want to be James Houston. Yeah. But to being aggressive and to trying to win football games. Because I think, you know, part of the part of circling back to kind of this, this question about, like, why are the Packers failing the playoffs? It's like, well, there's a finality to it. And there's a there's a, uh, a, a, a suddenness to it. And, you know, when you talk to some of these people, like I talked to somebody with the Chiefs uh, when they came and visited Cincinnati in Week 17, and I asked them how, how it was going. And they said, look, like, at this point, every win is a relief at this point because we're expected to win every single game. And maybe there's a little bit of, you know, there's a little bit of, hey, you know, we're not expected to get this. I might be expected to throw an interception here, and it's okay um, to have that mentality. Um, and maybe Rodgers is just missing out on that because, you know, he, he's trying not to make mistakes. And, and I think, you know, that, that's a pretty interesting piece on him because, you know, they're not behind very much. I mean, that's, no. that's the real uh, thing about the Packers. It could be more annoyed than anything. But there's a reason why his touchdown interception ratios have not led to championships. Well, I think Matt LaFleur got to town and he said, well, we're just going to build an offense based on efficiency and being smooth. And we know we're never going to turn the ball over. We can bake that into our offensive formula, right? And we're going to win most of our games on that alone. But in the game where things get ugly or get weird, I I don't know if they always respond really well. One final question, Eric, just because I'm curious and I'm kind of thinking you might have a fun answer. I got a text yesterday from a listener asking if you have two minutes left in a playoff game, down six with the ball, would you rather have Rodgers or Favre? And I'm not sure. I I probably would have said Rodgers three years ago after that game against San Fran. That left a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth. Very apathetic, right? That was the word that Tyler Dunn used this week. There wasn't much heart. Like like Favre at least would have gone out with a bang. Would you take Favre or Rodgers in that situation? I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, the the hard part is that they played in such different eras that, like, you know, it's hard to look at the, you know, his Rogers statistics and make an argument for Favre. Um, but I do think the mentality um, is something that uh, is is examinable. I mean, and and you look at you know when when Rogers has lost playoff games, he's never lost playoff games because he was a disaster. Yeah. He always lost playoff games because he could not overcome weaknesses around him. Um, whereas. When, when Favre lost playoff games, I mean, he had six interceptions against the Rams, four interceptions against the Vikings. He had the, the interception to, uh, to Nate Webster in the, in, against or Corey Webster in the Giants game. Wow. I, I still think I'd go with Rodgers, but, but at, the, at the same time, you've got to remember, an interception when you're down six and the other team can just kneel out is the exact same thing uh, as, as just like having to punt or, or, or missing it on fourth down. So I think the gap between those two guys shrinks quite a bit in end of game situations. Well, it's interesting because Favre might've thrown an interception or two in that game against San Fran, but if he makes four good throws, they probably win interceptions aside. So that's a game that maybe Favre would have been better. Even if it wasn't perfect, they still win. I, I don't know. It's a thought experiment that I've been, we've just been talking about it and it's really interesting. Favre's going to go out with a bang either way. And sometimes you need a little bit of a bang. They had no bang against the Niners whatsoever. Eric, this has been solid. I see on Twitter that you're going to the Combine, so enjoy Indy. The Combine looks like a ride. I know everyone's really happy to be back there in person, so enjoy. And and anytime you're willing to come back on, I love having you. Thanks for the time. Thanks for having me.
having me on, man. This is fun, and uh, and uh, I love everybody in lacrosse. Hell yeah, we like that. Thanks, Eric. Have a good one. That's Eric Eager, Pro Football Focus. Check out the Forecast Pod. It's really good. And if you're a betting man or woman or person, the draft is a pretty good money-making opportunity. This is what I realized last year. If you know which draft props to bet, you can do pretty darn well. And Eric and his co-host George on the Forecast Pod line up draft props really well because that's all they do is bet. So, of course, they're going to be betting the draft. That's coming up here in the next few months. So, we're going to take a quick break, come back, kind of decompress as to some of the things that Eric talked about, and we'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.